Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. All right. Hello, everybody. Good to see you. Um, I am excited today because Christy and I are going to kind of tag team a message. So this is this is going to be fun. Uh, I get to do a message, a co-message with my best friend and the love of my life and all those good things. It's going to be amazing. Everyone, would you welcome Christy? I know you know her, but go ahead. Um, so we've been talking about giving a message together for a, a while, actually, and uh, we've only done this once. We did it at our marriage retreat a couple years ago, um, and we thought it was fun. We should do it again, and so here we are finally doing it again, and, uh, and I think it's going to be good. Um, so It's nice of you to... Uh put this on spring break well yeah what do you mean the numbers the kids are home so what to prepare oh gotcha gotcha (laughs) so are you excited yes i am okay good so on top of this day it is saint patrick's day um and uh i know um most of you are celebrating today in some way or form because it's such a big day and but i was looking around and there's not really a lot of green and we didn't wear green but i do have green socks on i just want to make that no, today. Our son calls us Lucky Charms Day. I think you got a picture of him. Um, <laughs> he literally is wearing that to church today, so you might see him. Um, so anyway, uh, so if you're newish to OKC community, what I would say is welcome, and I would say this. We know, we know that as people come in um, to church, and this is any context, any church, that there are people that God is doing good things in, and you have a lot of great stories to tell, and you feel like, man, God is... God is doing deep work in us, and you have that story. And then we also know there's people that come in, and, and you're going, and it's, life is chaos. You know, life is a struggle. Our life has some challenges and, and some hardship, and we totally understand that. And uh, we, this, we, our prayer every week is that God would meet you right where you're at. And so I want to encourage anybody that's here today, whether you've been here for a long, long time or maybe you're new around here, is uh, our prayer is beyond anything we say, anything we sing, anything we do, that God's presence um, meets you where you're at. The love of God um, comes face to face with you today in a way that maybe hasn't happened in a long, long time. And so we are praying that and hoping for that. And, and we, uh, we understand that Jesus meets us, you know, right where we're at. Yeah, so today we're continuing our Jesus series. Um, for me, this series has been so good. I really love the opportunity that our church has had to just sit in a season of solely focusing on the teachings of Jesus and who he is. Um, For me, I've learned more than I've ever learned, and I think it's because of the repetition that we've had and with reading the Gospels together. um, So often it takes that repetition for us to really get something, and that's really what it's done for me. So this week is number 44. Can you believe that? And so we're going to continue to press in together to the teachings of Jesus today. All right, so I'm going to talk a little bit, and then Christy will talk a little bit, and we'll just kind of go back and forth. But um, we want to talk about a, a part of the story of Jesus today that we believe is um, central to who he was and what his life was about, and something that's actually near and dear to our hearts uh, as a couple. And we've titled today's message, Jesus Loves Parties. Um, and not intentionally because it's St. Patty's Day, just so you know. Um, perhaps providentially, I don't know. But he, it's near and dear to us because I guess we love parties to some degree, and and party is a weird word, by the way, because depending on the context, right, um, it could be a little four-year-old ballerina birthday party, 
Or it could be like this out of control, like, hey, let's party, bro. You know, kegger at the frat house, right? And uh, so when, when we say party, I know that there's, there's so many types of context. You can even class up a party, can't you? All you have to say is, we're having a dinner party. You know what I mean? Um, you can class it up depending you know, on how you want to do it. There's birthday parties. There's holiday parties. There's wedding parties. There's dance parties. There's... Uh, work parties, holi- uh, pre-parties, after-parties, surprise parties, Pinterest parties, Super Bowl parties, tea parties, block parties, and the list goes on and on, right? There's all different types of parties, and the church party is usually not so cool. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> a church party usually has some sort of potluck casserole, maybe a jello mold. Um, I don't know why basement. those have gone away. I don't know why those have gone away. Jello molds basement? are like a work of art. You know what I mean? I kind of want a jello. Can you make a jello mold? No. Oh. <laughs> Um, anyway, there's traditionally, though, the church has struggled with the idea of party, but um, I, like I said, I believe this is uh, something that we've liked to do, and just for the context so you understand what I mean, is when we say party, we mean bringing people together for the purpose of building relationship, usually having some fun together, having some food, and, uh, and so when we say we like to party, it's not because we go rave on Friday nights. I just tell her we've gotten too old for that. Surprise. Um, we both turned 40 this year, and I got permission from her to say that. Um, <laughs> she turned 40 just a few days ago. And uh, um, when I turned 40, Christy threw this amazing party. Like, she planned it for months. It was beautiful. It was like out on the summer night under the lights. It was just this really great, great party. And uh, I just, when she was turning 40, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> what am I going to do, right? And uh, so I just went ahead and told her about three weeks ago, like, listen, I cannot throw a party like you threw a party. Let's just, let's just make sure your expectations are set correctly, right? <laughs> She's like, totally, I know you can't throw a party like me. She's always been good at throwing parties. Um, she makes parties out of everything. And a few um, last month was the Super Bowl, and um, and I'm a New England Patriots Tom Brady fan. I don't know why. Pause. I do know why, <laughs> because they're awesome and they always win. That's why I'm a fan of them. But I was a fan, and she decides to make a party out of it and makes a New England themed football party. And we weren't even having anybody over. It was just me. And so we had lobster tacos, we had uh, Patriot popcorn, whatever that is. And what else did we have? We had Boston tea, New England clam chowder. There you go. Which was funny because then he asked me if the New England clam chowder was made from scratch. Well, and I just really poured it out of a can. It was so delicious. Um, but she just throws parties out of everything, and so I, I. Uh, anyway, enough about. Oh, you're standing. Okay, cool. Um, enough about Christy. I do want to talk about Jesus here because here's, here's the thing. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus is why we're here. He's the reason. Uh, Jesus, he actually did love parties. And there's, there's some great stories in the scriptures, in the gospels, and you've probably read some as we've been doing a Bible reading plan. But in John 2, there's a story where Jesus is at a wedding. You guys know the story, right? 
Jesus is at a wedding. He and his disciples go. He's not the pastor at the wedding, apparently, which is the only weddings I get invited to, by the way. Um, nobody actually invites me to their wedding. They just have me go work at their weddings. If you're going to get married in the future, I love it, though, okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was hey, a joke. Riley. That was a joke. Riley, I'm just kidding. I was, me and you were tight. Um, but Jesus and they, they were just there, and the, the real story is not about the wedding. It's about what happens after the wedding, right? There's the, an interesting scene develops where all the wine gets polished off by the guests. And uh, the mom, Jesus' mom, comes to him and says, we need more wine. And Jesus does his first recorded miracle in the book of John, at least, where he turns the water into wine. And again, this interesting scene of celebration and people coming together, and Jesus is right in the middle of it. And There's another story in uh, Luke chapter 5. Uh, we find a story about Jesus going to a party and uh, to, at the house of Levi. The scriptures say that he, he holds a great, a great banquet, right? And like any party, there's festivities, there's food, there's a lot of people and there's an interesting scene that develops because, of course, the Pharisees are there, the religious leaders, and they are a little bit unsure of why Jesus and his disciples are hanging out with people who seem to be, um, the word used in the scripture, are sinners and tax collectors. They, there's this dynamic of unsettled Pharisees in the midst of Jesus interacting and partying, if you will, with people. Jesus was up to something, though, in this whole story. Jesus was up to something that I think is very significant in the gospel story. Two scriptures I want to point us to, and then, and then Christy's going to share. Matthew chapter 9, uh, starting in verse 10, it says this, While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I love when Jesus says that. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So immediately in this story, we see the Pharisees are confused about Jesus. They're confused what he's doing. Why is Jesus with these people? This is not normal behavior. In the religious culture of the day, um, religious people didn't even hang out with people who would seem non-religious, unspiritual. In fact, they would exclude themselves from that. And so the, the, the culture of that day was one, the norm was for exclusivity versus inclusivity. A lot of us know that. But this is what Jesus is up against, and this passage is a key passage. It really is in understanding the rewriting of the culture that Jesus was doing. Because what we're going to talk about today, even though we're going to talk a little bit about parties, we're going to talk about hospitality, but he was radically reforming the constructs of God's kingdom and God's love through the generous act of spending time with other people. This is what he was doing. He was radically reforming culture among his people. And he was doing this one party at, the, one party at a time. And here's Jesus doing what he does. He's changing everything about everything. He's honestly, and honestly, this change is core. It really is core to the new life that he was bringing. And it was central to the new life that he wanted to establish, that Jesus Jesus was not just about parties, of course, but Jesus was about hospitality. And hospitality is one of those words like, oh, we're going to talk about hospitality today. But he was, he was reforming a culture of his people to embody the ways of grace, love, and generosity by being hospitable people. To welcome the stranger. You ever heard him say something like that? To, to care for the person on the side of the road. You ever hear him tell a story about that? 
to throw parties and invite those who usually don't get invited. Why I say this is near and dear to Christy and I's heart is because we, we have learned to enjoy um, the idea of hospitality, but to learn really more the value um, that we are continually learning that this is one of the central acts of Jesus. So Luke 14, uh, 12 says this. Then he turned to the host, this is Jesus speaking, the next time you put on a dinner, don't just invite your friends and family and rich neighbors, the kind of people who, who will return the favor. Invite some people who never get invited out, the misfits from the wrong side of the tracks. You'll be and experience a blessing. They won't be able to return the favor, but the favor will be returned. Oh, how it will be returned at the, re- at the resurrection of God's people. This week I was reading some statistics on loneliness in America. Um, And the Barner Research Group says that one in five adults say that they regularly or often feel lonely. And they also said that celebrations are what bring most Americans together, but still only less than a a quarter of the population, between about 22 and 24%, gather with friends or neighbors for this purpose. Did you know that one of the most practical ways that we can share the love of God is by gathering people together for dinner, celebrations, conversations, and parties, right? If you look at Jesus' life here on earth, he wasn't going around starting organizations or throwing big events. He was pulling out a chair at the table of common people over and over again. Um, This is going to be on the screen, but Luke 19.5, and I like the version from the message, it says, when Jesus, or this is when he invited himself to the home of Zacchaeus. He said, when Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree, hardly believing his good luck, delighted to take Jesus home with him. Now, I don't recommend that you go around inviting yourself into other people's homes, but perhaps we consider that as well as inviting the lost, hurting, and broken with us to church, that we can also start inviting them to our tables. If we really take a look at who Jesus ate meals with, we will see that he normally went to those who were hurting and shamed, and when he was with them, he clothed them in comfort and grace. It may be one of the most powerful ways that we can show the love of Jesus. We must press into becoming hospitable people, and God didn't make it hard for us. In Mark 12, 30 through 31, this will be on the screen too, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Did you know the definition of the word hospitality, and I love this, is the generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, and strangers. The Lord is always calling us to show great generosity to the stranger, the outsider, and the marginalized. In Matthew 25, 35 through 36, it says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Jesus didn't get caught up in fancy meals or Pinterest perfected parties. He wants us to simply show hospitality and invite others in exactly where he has us. We do not invite people in so they can enjoy us, but we invite them in so we can enjoy them. 
A good question to maybe ask ourselves today is, who do I have at my table right now? Who can I invite in? To make it even easier and more fun, invite other people, other friends, uh, fellow believers in to invite you or to throw parties together. So here's what we know. We know that people, uh, people want this. They may not know they want it. They may not say they want it. But people, by and large, want to be included, right? Anybody want to be included? Anybody want to have a place to belong? Anybody want to have, uh, feel like you're part of something? And I think, uh, I think everybody knows that this is a basic desire of people. People, by and large, desire community, but I want, I want to make something clear. We aren't talking about community today. We're talking about hospitality, but the two go hand in hand often, don't they? And when I was thinking about this, um, community is really important. It's really important to have that place that you feel like you have relationships and friendships. And a lot of people search for community, but here's what I've realized. We've searched for community for ourselves, don't we? We search for community so that we can have a place to belong, which is not a bad thing. So everybody's like, I need community, I want community, community's great. But community is important, but it's often us looking, a pl- looking for a place for us to belong. Hospitality, though, is a, men- a mindset of ministry. A cr- to create space and to intentionally value others. In other words, we need people who feel the conviction to be hospitable in order to allow community to exist. Hospitality is the vehicle for relationships to be forged. A lot of people love community, but they are simply the recipients of those few who feel called to be hospitable. And I think that's actually a very powerful word for our church and for this culture today. So many people want relationships and they want friendship and they go, oh, you know, give me... and." But, Few people respond to the idea, oh, it's me that creates that. It's me that creates the hospitable environment as the vehicle for relationships. So when we look at the story of Jesus at Matthew's house, and he's, the Pharisees are confused and upset, right? They're, they're upset about what Jesus is doing. He's banqueting with sinners. What is Jesus up to? I'm struck by this because we learn that this is... This, is a, this mindset of hospitality has been around a while, hasn't it? This has been something that's been happening for quite some time. And we, we hear stats or we think about the culture today and go, oh, yeah, people really need this today. Like, people need, the, it's not like it used to be. I hear people say this all the time. Or it used to be like people would invite you over. This, people are so cold now. And this, you hear this mentality of today and there's a tendency to point to the need for hospitality as Christians to our culture today. And uh, we need it now more than ever, or perhaps in our social media where hospitality gets elevated among a certain group of people who really love to host. There are some people here that like, oh, I'm really good at hosting, and so we post all of our ideas. I don't, but people do on Pinterest, right? I think there's a tendency to point to this, but this message is about a loving and generous hospitality that isn't an attempt to be culturally relevant. It's not an attempt to speak to today's world because this mindset is a historically relevant topic, one that speaks to every culture and every generation. Hospitality has always been the way of Jesus. It's always been the way of evangelism. It's always been the way of love, and it's always been the way of generosity. It just has been. It's been around from the beginning. It's not a new thing today that our culture needs. It's actually a timeless thing 
that every person needs. So part of our story and uh, the reality of about this part of the gospel began to hit us about 10 years ago. It was probably about the same season that we began praying um, about planting this church, even though that's not what we knew we were going to do yet. The Lord is beginning to stir up new things as us, new things in us as we begin to pray. Um, and it kind of hit us that we were living in a church bubble. Um, we went to church. We were part of a lot of groups. Um, we benefited greatly from those groups. Um, we had a lot of friends, and we were always showered with um, lots of love anytime any life event happened. I mean, baby showers and being in the hospital, you know, people would bring food. And um, I started to realize that we had some neighbors that didn't really have those things. And I thought, shouldn't we be extending the love of Christ to them in the same way that we benefit from? And so it really hit me hard when one of our neighbors, they had, they had their first baby, and there was no shower, no meal train. Um, you, could tell, you could just tell they felt all alone in their journey, their new journey of parenting. <clears throat> when I was growing up in church, particularly in my high school, college years, I remember taking the spiritual gifts test. Any of you guys? Yeah. Um, I've even administered some of those myself. Um, mine always told me that among many other gifts, or a few other gifts, that I had the gift of hospitality. Many other gifts. No, that's not what I meant. I had one. It was the gift of submission. <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> Enough about you. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, mine, mine said I had the gift of hospitality, always. And to me, this was like one of those easy gifts like that you didn't have to try really hard at. It came naturally to me. Um, I thought it kind of meant that I was like good in the kitchen at church, you know, that I was drawn to any area of the church that had food, coffee shop, <laughs> or the ordering things from Sam's. That is a gift. Um, Truly. <laughs> and my mom and I had spent a lot of time in the kitchen together. She had spent um, a lot of time teaching me how to do these things, and she passed down kitchen traditions, you know, and so I honestly felt like that was the gift, you know, like it was like the legacy of that. But as the stirring began to rise up in us for our neighbors, we began to see it differently. How could we use these spiritual gifts to fulfill our calling to love our neighbors? We began to use these opportunities to throw parties. At the time, we lived in a cul-de-sac, and our house was in the back middle of the, the street. It was the perfect location to open up the garage and set out some tables and bring the grill around and have neighbors over for like an early pre-trick-or-treat Halloween cookout. At first, we started out really small and easy, like low commitment, no real planning. Um, but year after year, it became bigger and bigger. And eventually, my neighbor would call, and she'd say, what are we going to do this year? And it ended up, um, by the end, the last year we were there, we had like a full barbecue with inflatables. And the crowd grew, and our relationships grew. And the Halloween parties turned into family dinners and yard sales and baby showers and taking meals to each other when the babies were born, or babysitting. Um, eventually, when we moved from that neighborhood, we were really sad to leave because we felt like we were just starting to make an impact on their lives and develop deep relationships. But now, instead of feeling like hospitality is a spiritual gift, um, 
we've learned that um, it's really more of a calling, and it's not just for certain people. It's for all of us. It's for everyone. The GIST test doesn't even really make sense to me now because in the Bible it so clearly explains and outlines Jesus' examples of living this way and calling us to do the same. And I'm learning it should be more of a way of life rather than a label we slap on certain people, right? Um, we've also learned or since hosted several gatherings in our new neighborhood, and it always strikes me how eager people are to get together. You don't have to try really hard. They're always, yes, they're always in, all of them. Um, and I'll be honest, we haven't always been awesome at doing this. We have seasons where we're better at it than others. Life gets in the way. Um, but we've learned that it's so good to be intentional with this, and it really is a better way of doing life. Some good stuff. Way to go. We're definitely learning still. Um, we were thinking about this, and we don't really feel like we're, we love this, but we're, like, learning. And I think um, probably most of us are. And, and we thought, well, let's just, today's a, there's this dynamic that we, we, are, we are coming to understand. <clears throat> and it's this, that today's culture responds to spiritual things and to spe specifically to Jesus in a couple different ways. Um, we're learning that the two primary ways, the first one is through active listening, listening to people without judgment. That doesn't mean you don't have an opinion. It just means that you're willing to learn and understand someone before you tell them what you think, right? And that that, that really helps break down any barriers. And then the second one is people who know how to be hospitable, that know how to welcome people in, that those are the two vehicles that this culture is... Um, responding to when it comes to spiritual things. And so that's why we're talking about this. We're talking about this from the context of how does our church really bring life to a city? And uh, we thought, well, let's just do this. Let's just talk about a couple ways of growing in the ways, if you will, of, of generous hospitality, the Jesus way. And so we're going to have a few thoughts on the screen. And we're learning like you're learning. <clears throat> and so we just thought of a couple practical things that may be helpful as we talk about this. But one, be creative by using the things that you already already do. You already live a life, don't you? How, how can your life that you currently live be more generous and hospitable? And what I mean is be creative with the things you already do. You are, a lot of you already work. You work, you have a job. How could your job be more generous and hospitable? How could you create a more generous, hospitable environment? Maybe you have a workplace where you can be the one to say like, hey, we're gonna have celebrations for people. We're going to throw birthday parties for people. We're going to, whatever it is to bring people together. Or perhaps, perhaps you're in a position where you can just say, you know what, maybe, maybe we can start something like Secret, Secret Pals. Anybody ever done Secret Pals? Or like Secret Santa, but like it's called Secret Pals. My sister is telling me a story about this, which I think is hilarious. She's got, she's got Secret Pals at her work. And whenever you draw a name, you know it's the name of the person that you don't want to be your Secret Pal, right? She draws the person's name that's like the person that she, it's really diff difficult to love. Well, she draws them, and she's been learning all year now how to love that person more. And so maybe you're the person that says, you know what, we're just going to let the spirit do some work, and so we're going to get some secret pals. I don't know. I'm just being, be creative with the things you already do, or how can other things that we do and things that we use in life become more redemptive places? For example, how can our phones, how can social media, how can technology be a place for hospitality to exist, for us to be creative with. I'll give you another example of what Christy's doing. Christy, Christy's doing something awesome to bring people together on their phones. And uh, she has a group me that really, uh, it's a, for women, 
um, doing the Bible reading plan that we're doing in our church right now. And some of you are on it, right? Nod your head if you're doing that with her. There's a group, I don't know, there's dozens of women doing it in our church and some not in our church. And every day they're getting on and they're talking about God's word. What? What's up? Yeah, I just want you to know there is nothing organized about it. So if anyone wants to do it and you... Inclusive, inclusive. Yes. So anyway, this, this, this is just a creative way to say how could something we utilize every day, our phone, something we stare at every day, um, how can it be a more redemptive, generous place where maybe these women are finding a small but encouraging place to belong, to connect with others? She's done stuff like that before with Advent studies and other Bible studies where hospitality and generosity isn't just about throwing a party. It's about using the things we already do in life and being creative with them to include others in them and to make them more redemptive, right? So be creative. We're living a life that we already have, so do something with it. Yeah, yeah and we've been able to learn from some people that are really good at biblical hospitality. Um, and as a lot of you guys might know, but Andy and Sylvia Tosig, they are amazing at this. Um, they, I was talking to her this week, and you know, they love to um, lead and minister to the international students at OCU. And they have them live with them, and not only that, but they try to invite different people over to their house for meals, or they'll bring them to church, and um, they, she told me that they tried to have one evening a week that they have someone over for dinner, um, and she said, you know, we've done hospitality different in different seasons of life, but this is kind of what it looks like for them right now, and so the second thing we would say is just to learn to be intentional and look for ways to open your lives to others um, in that, and so... Yeah, that was the second thing, sorry. Um, and then the, the third thing that we've seen people do is to find common ground um, as a way to, pe- to gather people together. Um, I have a friend, a really good friend, who recently brought a group of students and parents together in her home. Um, you know, there's a lot of changes going on in Oklahoma City public schools, and so she took the opportunity to bring those people together, people that wouldn't normally be together, and discuss... Um, how we felt like this was affecting all of us. And it was a safe environment. And she let everyone share and listen and encourage one another. And like I said, that wouldn't normally happen with that group of people. Um, but she found common ground for all these people and brought them under to, under that banner together. Um, I have a, another story, a picture I want to show you. Um, that was a fun day. Uh, one year, right after we moved here uh, to the city, our kids were new in their school, <laughs> and uh, they were starting over with new friendships. It was really hard. And after about three months into school, um, Karis was having a birthday, and she was in second grade, and we decided to throw a bigger party than we'd ever thrown before. Um, we invited and threw the doors open of our home to pretty much every girl in the second grade, plus some. And their school's not very big, but pretty much every girl came. I was shocked. Um, it was a beautiful fall day, and there's all the girls in the house. We took a picture of all of them. It was an American girl party. Um, <laughs> Truly. Yeah. <laughs> they are all American. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Sorry. Uh, it was a really pretty fall day, though, and we rented a moon bounce. Uh, we had never done anything like that, but all the kids played, and the moms talked, and um, at that party, we were we were able to begin to form really deep and long-lasting friendships. Those girls are now, most of them are in the seventh grade, and they're all pretty much, unless they've gone to a different school, they're all pretty much still friends. And the moms are friends. Um, 
And as the people at the party were starting to ask the new family, like, what do you do, you know? We were able to share about our church. And even now, some of those people come to our church regularly. They're part of our family member. They're part of our family here. Um, that wasn't just a seven-year-old birthday party, right? It was a pivotal event in our family's life and a doorway to minister to other people, other families that we didn't know. Um, and so this story is important to us because we were able to find that common ground with all those families that had daughters the same age as ours. Um, and like I said, it was something that is still, we're still seeing the fruit of that. Um, and then here's one last tip that we've learned. We've learned the importance of being radically inclusive. The more, the better, always. <laughs> if you think you should invite someone, like if their name is in your mind, do it. Um, be in, always be inclusive instead of exclusive. We've learned to do our best at including more rather than including less. I know there's sometimes a trend it feels like to keep things small and intimate. Um, and that's good and that's important. And we need those close relationships. But we've seen and experienced the attitude of hospitable inclusion bearing so much more fruit. Um, that's been a big one for us. So, uh, Jesus loves parties. <laughs> and as we, as we grow in faith, you know what we're doing? We're trying to grow in faith. As we grow in faith, we should be growing in the ways of Jesus. That's what we should be doing. And as we deepen our heart for people, for people especially who don't know Jesus, as we deepen our heart for that, we're, we're going to grow in generous, loving ways. So today our call is a very practical one, but very deeply rich one um, to grow on our faith and deepen our heart for people. Because when you grow your faith, when you deepen your heart for people, it's going to end up, guess what? It's going to end up becoming a generous, loving, hospitable person. One that invites the stranger in, one that invites the person who isn't usually invited, but also it's going to be the one that looks at the neighbors and says, oh man, who's giving them Who's giving them the things that we've getting to, getting to experience? I'll never forget whenever we were young and we were in a small group and we just went, man, there's so many people that don't get this experience. How can we allow others to experience the gift of community, the gift of being in a group of friends, coming into homes and having meals? And, and I just want to say this. I say, as we ask for more of God's spirit in our church and as we ask for him to do more. I know he's going to joyfully give it to us because that's what he does, but um, as we ask for the ways of Jesus to be embodied on us and for us to have a more compassionate view of the world in which we would see people the way Jesus did, right? What did Jesus see when he saw the crowds? He saw compassion on them. He held banquets for them. <laughs> he, he, he told us to love our neighbors and he interacted and dined with those who were very, very unspiritual. But he did all of it with a purpose. The purpose wasn't to party. <laughs> Which is where many in the world miss it today, don't they? Many in the world, even, even those who just love the host, they think it's about the party. Jesus never, it was never about the, it was never about the food or the wine or the event. That was not the thing. Jesus, Jesus just knew that that was the thing that could get people together. And he had a greater purpose for them in mind. 
And I just think we need people that have that heart and mindset. The purpose isn't even to be good at doing these sorts of things. A lot of people in the room, they go, I'm not good at that. And so they think someone else will do it. There is a spiritual gift of hospitality. It says so in the Bible. But there's also a spiritual gift of evangelism. That does not mean you are, you are, you are not responsible for evangelism if you do not have the spiritual gift of evangelism. Do you understand that? You are not exempt from evangelism because you didn't get the gift of evangelism given to you by the Spirit and the way. But here's the thing. Every one of the gifts, God says that we can seek them out. We can have them. We can ask for more from him. And so this is a conversation about the ways of Jesus. The purpose isn't to be good at doing these things. The purpose is for us to be generous and for us to be loving and for us to be hospitable. And so this morning, that's what our hope is for our church, is that as we lean in, as we feel called up, as we feel like God is doing more in us, that it wouldn't just be about us and what we experience with God. It would be about us offering ourselves to our city, to the people around us, and saying we are going to follow in the ways of Jesus. We are going to be generous. We are going to be loving. We are going to be inclusive. And we are going to be hospitable to those around us. That's what we're going to do. Because that's what the way of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray. And we're going to pray that we would be this, this as a group of people. And then we're going to have a time of just worship. And these words of the song are perfect for us to allow Jesus to be the foundation of the life we're building. But Father, right now, we pray. We pray this in the name of Jesus. We pray that, Lord, we would take words like this that feel maybe a little different than what we normally receive on a Sunday morning and just go, oh, Lord, you're speaking a fresh word to me. I receive it. And Lord, it's challenging to me. I've never seen myself in that light. I know some in this room are feeling that way right now. Lord, would you help us all carry this in the way that we're ready to carry it? If it's for us, some of us, we need to take five steps forward because we're ready. May we take five steps forward. May we start having neighbors over and may we start doing, doing this at a much larger scale. Some of us, we're ready to take one step forward. May we take that one step to becoming a generous, loving, hospitable person. Because, Father, that's what you modeled for us. That's how you changed the culture of the environment that you were living in. You started to tell people it's not about being religious. It's not about exclusivity. It's about, it's about dining and banqueting and spending time with those who don't know God. And so, Father, would we be better at that? May we be your people called by your name in our city, doing all we can to bring life to this city in the name of Jesus. May we be your people who don't back down at the call that you put on our life to be loving, generous, hospitable. May we be your people who lean in, who are called up, who ask for more of your spirit so we can do more of your work for the sake of your kingdom. May we be your people who don't who don't take a back seat to culture, but we take the front seat and we start to shape the culture of the world around us, that we would take our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our schools, the things we do in life, and we would step in front of it and we would start to shape and lead people in the ways of Jesus. May we be your people, Father. May we be your people called by your name in this time, in this place, for your sake, for your glory, and for your kingdom. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, 
Amen. Would you stand with us? We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.